Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. It's so great to see you. Nice to see you as well, Chris. Yeah, th- today you proposed this topic, and, and I got really giddy and excited because I never really thought of it. And obviously, since you're a nutritionist, this is what you think about all day. But when to feed before an event or before a horse goes out and performs, do you get this asked all the time? Because I, I just never thought of it, but it makes sense from a nutrition standpoint that this is something that, that owners should be aware of. I would not say it's a question I get a lot. It is a question I have received. And it is something that sometimes that I've kind of discussed in a troubleshooting sense mm-hmm. when talking about, you know, performance issues in certain horses, particularly as it relates to competition. This is definitely a little more down in the weeds than some of the topics that we have talked about. We're getting very, very specific on kind of some digestive physiology and metabolism and how it really impacts performance, which is a really cool topic. Oh, it is. And I, you know, and I go back to my, when I was working at the racetrack and I'm thinking, gosh, when was the last time we fed them? I can't remember. It was a long time ago, but it just made sense. Like, would it give them a competitive edge if we fed them right before the event? We'll talk about that, why you should or shouldn't do that. So maybe just to open up, kind of talk about energy utilization, because that's really what what I think it, this boils down to is, is when should you fill up the tank? You know, when I used to explain energy to students, I always said, okay, it's like filling up your car with gasoline. We're filling up the horse with energy so they can go. Could we just kind of briefly talk about like how horses digest food and then utilize that energy? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think a good way to ground the discussion so that the recommendations maybe mm. make a little bit more sense. Very broadly, the horse for exercise can use two types of fuel or energy. And I'll use the words fuel and energy interchangeably here. They can use carbohydrate and they can use fat as an energy source for exercise. Depending on whether a horse is working aerobically or anaerobically dictates what type of fuel sources are available. So your carbohydrates are actually glucose. So it'd be glucose is absorbed from our sugars and starches that are digested in the small intestine. You have free blood glucose, but the body likes to keep glucose in a pretty narrow range in the blood. So when you're exercising, using those carbohydrates as the fuel source, once the blood glucose drops to a certain extent, the body goes, oh, no, I can't touch that anymore. And what it turns to instead is liberating glycogen. Glycogen is the storage form of carbohydrates in the horse and the human. So under certain circumstances right? The horse is working and they are using their blood glucose. Once that's kind of tapped out, they rely on that blood glycogen and essentially the body breaks down the glycogen into glucose. So those are both carbohydrate sources. The horses can use carbohydrates whether they're working aerobically or anaerobically, but they can only use carbohydrates when they're working anaerobically. So that really, really high intensity work, you can only use carbohydrates. Now, when horses are working aerobically, they can use carbohydrates or they can use fats. So fats in the horse's body, free fatty acids will be circulating in the blood, kind of the same idea. And then they can also liberate stored fat, so adipose tissue. 
again, turning it into free fatty acids, those can be used as fuel, but only when the horse is working aerobically. So kind of a combination of diet and conditioning allows us to rely more on those fats for an energy source to spare the glucose and the glycogen for when that horse can only use it when working anaerobically. And then just good explanation of that, of the, of the carbs and fats, but can you just tie like certain horse events to aerobic and anaerobic? Because I think anaerobic, I'm thinking, okay, quick, fast, right? Horse racing, barrel racing. What are you thinking when, when you think of the two? Yeah, that's a great question. So those are perfect examples. So some events you're always working aerobically. Think walking down the trail, hacking. Basically, it'd be like if you or I were going for a nice walk. As you get more fit, you can stay aerobic longer. So now we're jogging. But there are certain times that a horse is working super intensely that they go anaerobic. And it's those short, fast bursts of intensity. Thoroughbred racehorse, perfect example. During the race, that horse is anaerobic. Now, a lot of horses, okay, you could be working entirely aerobically, going for a walk the whole time. The horse doesn't get out of breath. Most horses kind of move in and out of anaerobic work. So a good example would be during your schooling session, you're going to, you know, do some basic warm up and then maybe you'll work on a skill, which is run the barrel pattern. The horse will be anaerobic for that period of time. And then their heart rate comes back down. They catch their breath. They're aerobic again. So it's those short bursts of high intensity energy. Um, a horse who's jumping a course, depending on how hard they're working, could be working anaerobically. And then you have situations where you have kind of longer, slower work, where as the horse becomes more fit, they're going to pretty much always stay aerobic, even though they're working moderately hard, think the endurance horse. You know, depending on the level a horse would be eventing, for example, some of that might be aerobic, some of it might be anaerobic. So it depends a little bit, um, but certainly good examples are aerobic, low intensity work, mm -hmm. anaerobic, short, fast bursts of work. Then a lot of times you're moving in between the two within a given training session. Yeah, and it gets tricky, right? Like especially when we're talking about this and and, and the use of energy, the, the carbs versus fats. That's a great explanation, Nicole. Now, sitting here thinking about it, like what, what factors can influence the amount of fuel that the horse has? So a couple different things we can think about there. One is the base diet, right? And the second is conditioning. So if the base diet is very, very heavy in carbohydrates and low in fat, the horse isn't going to have a lot of those fatty acids to supply energy during work. So for that reason, kind of the modern horse diet, even horses are working pretty hard. They're definitely higher fat than the traditional horse diets. Even when we talk about horses who are still on very high NSC diets, like the racehorse, those are still much higher fat than they would have been 20, 30 years ago. If the horse is on a higher fat diet and conditioned appropriately, they do have more of that metabolic flexibility while they're working aerobically to use more fat instead of just using their carbohydrates. So that's where what we feed them and how we condition them is really important. This is something that we talk about quite a bit, for example, in the horse with PSSM type 1. Those horses have a glycogen storage disease where they're really bad at using carbohydrates for fuel. So we train their body to use fat. And when I consult on those cases, I always tell the owner, just feeding them the higher fat diet doesn't generally fix the tying up problem. You have to exercise them consistently because that conditioning 
upregulates the enzymes used to turn fat into energy. So that's one factor. What do we feed them? Hopefully never the super high NSE things, but moderate fat, maybe some level. There's no such thing as a zero NSE diet. Um, and in fact, too low of NSE can not be beneficial for the healthy performance horse because they won't replenish their glycogen. And then, you know, conditioning on top of that. Now, the part that ties into this overall question, which was when do I feed my horse mm -hmm. relative to performance, that comes back to what the body does after a meal. What is the metabolic signaling telling the body? So anytime a horse eats a concentrate meal, even ones that aren't super high as NSC, just the fact of feeding a concentrate, that low to moderate NSC meal will still have sugars and starches. Those go to the small intestine and they're broken down to glucose. Glucose is absorbed from the small intestine. And if you remember, the blood wants the glucose within a pretty narrow range. Too little glucose is bad. Too much glucose is also bad. So in response to that absorption of glucose after a meal, the pancreas releases insulin. Insulin's job is to help control blood glucose. And what it does to control blood glucose is it sends that fuel to peripheral tissues, specifically muscle and fat. So that glucose that's absorbed after a meal can be stored as muscle glycogen. That's why we don't want like ultra low MSC diets for horses who are performing anaerobically because they might not have enough glycogen to do their job. And it can also be stored as fat. That fat can be liberated later for use at exercise. So when insulin is high, it is telling the body we're in storage mode time. So if you were to exercise the horse while blood insulin is high after a meal, they're going to have difficulty liberating fuel to support that exercise because that metabolic hormone, insulin, is saying, hey, put it away. Where exercise needs to generate fuel to pull from those peripheral tissues. So you actually are in competition to the body's natural state after a meal. So insulin is saying, put it away. But then the horse is exercising and their blood glucose mm -hmm. drops too fast. But because insulin is still high, really, really hard for the horse to get the fuel out of the muscle, out of the fat stores in that situation after a meal. Makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. They don't, we, we, we don't want that competition going on within the body between insulin and energy mobilization, right? One saying, store it. The other one saying, pull it out. And it's, it's fighting each other. So that leads to the question then to avoid that, when should owners be feeding their horses before an event? So that blood insulin after a meal is going to be at its highest two to three hours after the meal. And then by four to five hours, it's going to come back down to baseline. So shortly after the meal, it starts rising. It peaks two to three hours after the meal comes back down. So generally, the recommendation is if we're looking to maximize performance, and we can circle back to this point in a second. In the horse who's working hard, you're going to want to time your meal for at least four hours before the hard ride, the competition whatever it is where you're asking the horse to work really hard. Okay. Now that leads me to my next question because it, it, one of the, the things we've talked about on this podcast is you don't want to exercise a horse on an empty stomach. So if I, 
and we know gastric emptying horses can can move feet out of the stomach pretty quickly. So if I'm not feeding them four hours before an event, won't that is that put me in danger of gastric ulcers? Fantastic question. Key point of differentiation mm-hmm. here. When we are talking about the impact of a meal, we're talking about a concentrate, a quote unquote grain meal, that big slug of energy. When we're talking about supporting gastric health, our main focus is in feeding forage. So I'm absolutely not saying to fast horses for four hours before competition. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up so mm-hmm. we can really, really drive home this distinction. In a perfect world, all right, unless the horse is an easy keeper, we'd give them access to hay 24-7, like leading up to the minute that it's time to tack up and go do the thing. Not always a possibility, right, for different reasons, management, weight concerns, et cetera. But in terms of meal decisions as it goes around riding, making sure they have a pre-ride snack of forage is really, really helpful for decreasing their risk of developing gastric ulcers. And the reason for that is that the stomach secretes acid continuously. Mm. And when it is secreting acid and empty, and like you said, gastric emptying happens pretty quickly. The bulk of that food is gone in 20 minutes. If there's nothing in the stomach to kind of soak up that acid, it starts sloshing around. And the upper portion of the stomach is not protected by that mucus barrier. So when a horse is exercising, particularly as they're moving faster, you have some stomach contractions plus a splashing effect. And you end up with acid in the upper portion of the stomach, which is not the only reason, but a large reason why performance horses are very prone to ulcer issues. So absolutely feeding forage before you ride is really, really helpful. And that can come in different sources, right? Horses out grazing grass, awesome. Long stem hay, really great. Other forage sources work as well, but I would say when we could focus on the long stem fiber, that really does a better job of kind of soaking up the acid, creating a forage mat in the stomach. So cubes could be a nice option if long stem hay isn't. I I won't say that like a soaked hay pellet is a bad option. Something's definitely better than nothing, but certainly you're going to get more protection from that long stem fiber. The other portion is the horses secreting more natural bicarb, more saliva when they're eating that long stem fiber. Perfect for buffering the stomach. You know, we can think about other ways to support that as well, like constant comfort, our gut health supplement as a pre-ride snack to go along with their forage can be a really nice option as well. I know. Yeah, I was thinking, I mean, you're talking about like, Particle size too, just that we know, you know, that's why you said long stem storage forage is so important. So just to tie this all up, Nicole, like this, this advice, who, who is this really targeted for? Like who's going to benefit from this? Yeah. Cause you're going, oh my God, how am I going to schedule my ride this mm-hmm. weekend? Like the barn feeds at seven and I can only be there at nine. So this is all truly impactful when we are looking at horses who are really performing at a decently high level. And it's certainly the most important, I think, in a competition scenario uh, where we're really looking to maximize performance. So I will be honest, like when I'm doing a regular schooling ride on the weekend, I'm not going, oh, no, I can't ride two two hours after I said because insulin is high. Because frankly, rarely is my horse working that that hard that the impact of the insulin is going to limit performance. So I would say light to moderate work, um, particularly when schooling, not as worried about this, but certainly for the horse who's working very, very hard. Um, And in a competition setting is when I want to think more of that 
Now, let's say there's a scenario where, you know, you're an eventer and you have set ride times. You know, uh, my ride time is literally, you know, my show jump is two hours after I would feed. Well, in that scenario, one thing we could think about is maybe we feed a little bit smaller of a concentrate meal that morning, um, particularly if it's horse who's getting a, a decent amount of, uh, a, you know, a moderate NSC concentrate. You know, you can maybe limit that impact a little bit without, you know, negatively impacting their, you know, overall energy balance if it's something we're doing very short term. Um, you know, it's not something I would want to do every single day because that's going to impact how we are providing calories long term. Less of an issue, you know, your horse is eating one pound of ration balancer, super low NSC, low intake. This is ultimately not something that's really going to impact you, even if you're working at a moderate level, because that insulin release is pretty small in that case. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. And yeah, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, definitely. So to answer my question earlier, we did not feed right before a race uh, at the track in Del Mar uh, way back in the day when I was a, a youngin. Uh, working these these million dollar thoroughbreds, it's just it's a fascinating topic though. It's just when you think about it, and then you you th- I think of all the top trainers. I'm like, was there something they knew back in the day that we're learning in science now? And these little tricks with horses, when to feed, when not to feed. It, it, it's a fascinating topic, Nicole. And it, and it may be worth something to to uh, revisit in the future because I have so many more questions. Like just the endurance horse, if they take breaks, when do you feed? And 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 I'm sure. You know, if anybody out there, if this stimulates any questions, please send us comments or links on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, or you can go to the website, tributeequinenutrition.com, contact us. And again, if you're, if you have any questions about what you're feeding your horse, you're getting ready for competition and and you, you want some more advice, go to the website, contact us, and you can get free consultation with the team. But great podcast, great topic, Dr. Rambo. So thank you so much today. Thanks so much.